Another edition of a show to be named later, June 12, 2018. Welcome in. Welcome aboard. Took a bit of a day off yesterday. We had our trip to City Field over the weekend on, on Sunday into Monday. So caught up on some sleep yesterday. Did not get a podcast in. So we'll get some NBA thoughts coming up in this podcast. And, and really, that's what I've got. Because we're in some weird place in sports right now. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of today's podcast. But we're in a weird spot in sports calendar. Aren't we? But let's get started with some thoughts on the NBA final and and where things stand now with the Warriors, with the Cavaliers, this LeBron James thing about maybe he's got a broken hand, maybe he doesn't, and what it means. Where to start? On Friday's podcast, I said, if the Warriors win, you're discussing them with the greatest teams of all time. Right? Right? You're talking about them in the same breath as those Celtics and Lakers from the 80s. You're talking about them in the same breath as the Kobe, Shaq, Lakers. They're in this discussion. Yeah, they may not be the Jordan Bulls. They're not. They're absolutely not the Russell Celtics. But they're in the discussion with like that next group of dynasties, right? Because that's what they are. They are a dynasty. They absolutely are that. They absolutely are one of the great teams of all time. And I don't think that that can be discouraged, right? I don't think that that can be frowned upon. I don't think that that can be laughed at. Look at what they've done. Three finals, three wins in four years, going to the finals all four of those seasons. And the one that they didn't win They won the most games in NBA history. How is that not a dynasty by any definition? So I think that discussion is short-lived. I really do. And anybody who argues against it, I I can't help you. I really can't. Because I think that if you're arguing against that, if you're arguing against this Warriors team with Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson and Steve Kerr and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, if you're if you're arguing against them being a dynasty, what you're arguing against is your idea of this team, right? You don't like what Kevin Durant did. You don't like that he decided to go join a 73-win team in free agency after that team came back from 3-1 down to beat his team. That's what you're arguing against. You're not arguing against the merits of what they've done. You're not arguing against three championships in four years and the fourth being 73 wins. That's not what you're arguing against. If you say that you don't like this Warriors team as a dynasty, if you're saying that this Warriors team is not among the all-time great teams with those Celtics and Lakers of the 80s, with the Lakers of the early 2000s. You're saying that because you just don't like what Kevin Durant did and how he went about it. It says a lot more about your feelings on that than it does what you actually think of this team. Because this team is incredible. This team is incredibly fun to watch. This team has done more in four years than most teams do 
over any kind of stretch in NBA history. Simply put, it's a dynasty. That's the easiest way to describe this Warriors team and this Warriors run. Steve Kerr steps in and has had the best four-year start, and I don't hesitate to say this, the best four-year start to a coaching career ever. Right? How can it get any better? He steps in. His first year, he wins a title. His second year, he wins 73 games. His third year, he gets an all-time great player and happens to win a title and then goes back-to-back. How does it get any better than those four seasons for Steve Kerr? It just doesn't. It just doesn't. And I could watch this team play all day. I could watch them running up and down the court for days and days on end. Watching the way they play offense, the ball movement, the back cuts, the off-the-ball play, it, it feels like, and this may sound crazy, it feels like the way basketball was supposed to be played. Right? Something felt wrong with what happened in that Rocket series. And it's a testament to what the Rockets did. It absolutely is. But it's also a testament to what the Warriors have done over the four years here. And the style that they've played since Steve Kerr took over. That that felt so wrong. That that felt so weird. That we were questioning, I know I was at least, that we were questioning what was wrong with the Warriors. Why was Kevin Durant going so ISO heavy? Why did the Warriors revert to Oklahoma City of two years ago when they are known for doing the exact opposite? Isn't that a credit to what Steve Kerr has built? The offense that he put in place, what Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green have done over these four years? Isn't that a testament to them that that series looked so weird and out of place? And I think that, uh, above all, that's what we'll remember about this team. Yeah, we'll remember three titles in four years. We'll remember, well, we might not actually. We might not remember that they won 73 games in the big picture, right? Because they might know, they might win another title. They might win four in six years. They might win five in seven years, whatever it may be. And then maybe we forget that one year they didn't win. We forget that they didn't finish off the 73-win season with a title. But yeah, we'll remember all that. We'll remember all the rings. We absolutely will. Don't get me wrong. But won't we also remember the the way that they played and what they did and how they went about this style and brand of basketball and opening the floor and really, let's face it, revolutionizing the game to an extent, right? They were just the latest in this revolution that goes back to Mike D'Antoni and before that and, and, and the way that this game has evolved The Warriors have wound up at the peak of it. The Warriors have just done it the best. Right? It started out with the Steve Nash Suns. And you had Sean Marion and you had uh, Amari Stoudemire. And they were two real non-shooters. But you also had like Quentin Richardson or Joe Johnson to go along with Nash. So you were spacing out the floor. You were running up and down. Scoring a lot of points, but you still had like those two that weren't great shooters there with you, right? And then you kind of 
fast forward a little bit. Maybe it overlaps a little bit, but you get the Dwight Howard uh, magic, right? Where you're playing one big man, four shooters, spacing the floor, pick and roll, surrounding a big with a, a bunch of shooting guards, shooting forwards. And then, like, that next step in the evolution is this. This dynasty that has been created because they've just managed to master it. They've just managed to do it better. Out of sheer luck? Maybe. Maybe it is sheer luck that you found a player like Draymond Green at pick 34. Right? Maybe it is sheer luck that you found Clay Thompson and turned him into one of the great shooters of all time. Maybe it is sheer luck that Steph Curry's ankles have held up. And that Andre Iguodala is able to play this point-forward role and, and switch on defense and, and do everything that you need. But it feels like this was the moment, this series, this sweep, getting it done in the fashion they did. This was the moment where the Warriors went from being merely a very good team, merely a great team, to being one of those all-time great teams. To being the latest dynasty in the NBA. And yeah, maybe there is a LeBron dynasty. Right? It's not really the Cavs. It's not really the Heat. It's just kind of LeBron. Right? And he's made eight straight NBA finals. But if you're looking for a team to define this last five years of the NBA, you're looking at the Golden State Warriors. You're looking at Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr, Kevin Durant. And you can tell the story of the league through this team. Right? I mean, they, they, they started out with draft picks in Clay, Steph, Draymond. They end up kicking their coach to the side after they make the playoffs. Only to hire Steve Kerr. I mean, that's a storyline here. Look how many coaches now are getting let go. You know, when you wouldn't necessarily think a coach would get let go for making the playoffs. Looking at you, Dwayne Casey. And then, of course, they go and they add the free agent. And isn't that indicative a little bit of where we are? Maybe more so in the NBA, but kind of in sports. Player movement now feels like it's at an all-time high because of free agency. Because there are less restrictions. Because guys just want to play with people that they they like. And they have the opportunity to go do that. And Durant took a play out of, out of uh, LeBron James's playbook. And he left. He left the place he had been for nine years. You can tell the story of the last five years of the NBA by looking at this four-year run of the Warriors. To me, that's a dynasty. It's as simple as that. And this title, Friday night, might have been the crowning moment of that. It certainly feels like it to me. Now, for a moment, looking at LeBron James and what he did in this series, and he was phenomenal. He really was. He was fantastic in the NBA Finals. And you'll have a hard time uh, convincing me otherwise because he had nobody else on this team, right? He really didn't. He had J.R. Smith, who makes a boneheaded play at the end of Game 1. 
Here's Kevin Love, who put up a couple nice games. But LeBron James puts up 34 points, 10 rebounds, and 8.5 assists over these four games. What else could you reasonably expect from him? I know he went 51-8 in Game 1, but that's unrealistic to expect that over a four-game series. I mean, that's just unfair. And then he comes out after Game 4, and he's wearing a cast on his right hand, and he says he practically broke his hand. And I don't know if the timing should be suspicious. I'm not going to doubt that he legitimately hurt his hand. He says he punched a blackboard, a whiteboard. I find it funny that he did that. (laughs) I really do. Of all things you do after that game, you go punch a blackboard or a whiteboard. I'm I'm a little surprised he didn't punch J.R. Smith, if we're being honest. But it sounds like the Amari Stoudemire thing, right? Where he's down in Miami, he gets mad, he punches a fire extinguisher, he cuts up his hand, it's all sliced open. It's a self-inflicted wound. And I'm not saying that for that reason we should discount it or for that reason we shouldn't really care so much that he you know, may or may not have broken his hand. But at the end of the day, and here's the question that I will ask about this, at the end of the day, does it matter? Like, does it really matter if LeBron James was hurt or if LeBron James was fully healthy? Does it really matter if he had played this four-game series with all of his abilities Right, with his right hand totally unimpeded from whatever injury it may have had. Would it have mattered? And the answer I keep coming back to after thinking about this for a couple days is no, no, it would not have mattered. Because LeBron James is great. LeBron James put up 34, 10, and eight and a half over a four game NBA Finals against one of the all time great teams. What more do you expect out of him? 40-point triple-double? All right. Couple more points? Couple more? Okay. Fine. But is that going to do enough? Because game two wasn't all that great. Game two wasn't all that close. Game four was a blowout. So what was it going to do? Were you going to win game three? All right, you got your one. Title gets wrapped up in five back in Oakland. So you can sit around and you can debate, was LeBron hurt or was LeBron not hurt? Was he faking it? Was it a real injury? Did he really punch a blackboard? You can argue any of this if you want. I'm going to sit back and say, who cares? I'm going to sit back and say it doesn't matter. It wouldn't have made a difference. Because I, I, I can't help but think that. As I look at that injury, as I watch that press conference Friday night, it doesn't matter. He's LeBron James. He's the best player on the planet Earth. He's arguably the greatest player to ever play in this league. But he's one player. He's one guy. He can't beat that team alone. Yes, he can beat the Raptors alone. Yes, he can beat the Pacers alone. Yeah, we saw he can beat the Celtics alone. He can't beat that team. 
that Warriors team with three superstars, four all-stars, four future Hall of Famers, maybe five if you look at Andre Iguodala, that's not a team he can beat alone. That's not a team that LeBron James can just go on the court and beat. He needed some help. And he didn't have it. He had none of it. So I don't know that that hand injury really mattered. Before we go any further, I wanted to remind you to listen to The Daniel Baldwin Show all summer long. Be caller number 10 when prompted to call. And you will register for a UPS happy hour party for your office at Shaughnessy's Pub in the Marriott, Syracuse, downtown. So you'll be able to hang out with Daniel, with Polly, with Josh, with the crew from the show. You'll get some pretzel pups. It'll be a good time down at Shaughnessy's. This month's party is June 22nd, so it's coming up soon. Don't forget to listen to The Daniel Baldwin Show. Call in when they tell you to. You register. You Maybe you win, and you get to go hang out with the guys. It's brought to you, of course, by UPS and ESPN Radio Syracuse. Now back to a show to be named later. All right, so I mentioned at the top that, you know, we're we're kind of in a weird spot in the sports calendar right now. We're kind of in a weird place, aren't we? Where I found myself in the office earlier today saying, you know what? I wish the NBA Finals had just gone one more day. Because I had this realization that the NBA Draft is next Thursday, like 10 days from now, 9 days from now, as we sit right now recording this on Tuesday. And I thought it was a little bit farther. So I was I was thinking to myself, you know, I wish the Finals had just gone one more game. Because then it would have ended on Monday night. You would have had Tuesday, Wednesday to, you know, mull it over, think about LeBron's maybe broken hand, where the Warriors sit in history. And then you would have gotten, like, deep into NBA draft stuff, right? Like, over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Monday kind of a thing, after Father's Day, you get really big into NBA draft stuff. You start hearing a lot about it. But it feels like for the next four days, we're we're kind of lost. We don't, we don't really know what to do. And to me, this feels like a loss for the NFL. And that might be a weird left turn to take. But to me... OTAs are going on right now. And the NFL used to just dominate. Right? They used to just dominate this stuff. People would eat it up. Couldn't get enough of of play-by-play tweets of of stretching in shorts and playing against air in t-shirts and and gym shorts. But it feels like that feeling is gone. Maybe it's just here in Syracuse. Maybe it's just me as somebody who's been consumed in the NBA Finals and and now is, you know, watching baseball. Had been watching baseball, is back to watching baseball. I don't know what it is, but I feel like we're losing the NFL here. And I feel like the NFL is, is losing ground when it comes to everybody else. And I don't mean this as far as ratings. I don't mean this as far as... The NFL is in trouble because they're really not. And that's the funny part about the NFL TV ratings things, by the way. Like, quick aside. Yeah, the NFL TV ratings might be falling, but they're still far and away better than anything else that is ever on TV. Right? Like, compared to the NBA Finals, NBA Finals averaged 
what, 15, 17 million viewers over four games? Sunday night football beats that every week. And that's just like your random game on a Sunday night. So, yeah, the NFL is doing just fine. But doesn't it feel like it's falling off a little bit? Like it's slipping just a little bit. Where this time of year would normally, you know, you would start getting your juices flowing. You would start thinking about the NFL again. Oh, what does my favorite team's rookie look like? What does Saquon Barkley look like in a Giants uniform? How does he look in OTAs? Is Odell Beckham Jr. there? How about all these guys, by the way, from the 2014 draft class who are just flat out not going, not showing up, because they're all eligible for extensions and none of them want to risk anything. They are all holding out. It feels like that should be or or normally is what's dominating the sports news cycle. And for whatever reason, right now it isn't. For whatever reason, right now it's not, which I, I find a little bit surprising. I thought it would. Because that's typically the routine we get into. You get OTAs here for like a week. You get the NBA draft. Goes now right into NBA free agency. The craziness there happens. You start getting into summer practices for college and NFL teams. You get a little NBA summer league if you care about that kind of thing. You really heat up about the MLB trade deadline. And then you're full bore into the NFL preseason. But it feels like football starts to gain its legs about now. And that's not there. That's not quite there this year. And I'm not sure why. Because these next three or four days are the perfect time for the NFL to really pick it up. And for the NFL to really get thrown right into the spotlight again. And we're not quite getting that. So we'll have to wait and see. One other thing I wanted to get to from the sports weekend, very briefly, is the Triple Crown. Justify goes, he wins the Triple Crown, he wins the Belmont Stakes. History, right? History in the making. And this is another one of those things that doesn't seem to be getting a lot of play. It doesn't seem to be getting a lot of drive. Certainly not as much as when American Pharaoh did it just a couple of years ago. And I think that a couple of weeks ago when Steve and I talked on Orange Nation about events that like you think you should care about but don't, right? Like events that you feel like you should really care about but you're just not interested. I think I put the Kentucky Derby on my list. I think that that was actually coming off of Derby weekend, and that's why we did it. If I'm remembering the timing here right. But I watched all three races this year. I was I was tuned in. I was tuned in on Saturday. I had I had the race on from like four o'clock or four thirty on. I don't know what I was watching. I was watching random horses. I had no idea what was going on. But I was watching it. I was locked in. I wanted to see this history. And I guess people will say, oh, but it just happened three years ago. Well, it hadn't happened in nearly 40 years. That's my response. All right, you have two in the last three years. Yeah, well, you have two in the last 40. And before that, I mean, there were three in in seven years. If you want to go back and listen to our, our interview with Barry Abrams from Friday, I, I thought he put that in some pretty good context. You know, triple crown winners tend to come, he he was saying, for whatever reason, this is this is what happens, but they've kind of been like clustered. 
you know, three and seven years in the 70s. They were like three and six or seven years in the 30s, 40s. They've just kind of been clustered up. And there have only been like three periods where you've gotten triple crown winners. So I think that that's not a story that is really getting the run that maybe it normally would. Maybe it is because you just had it three years ago. I don't know. But I was a bit surprised, and maybe it was because I was really out of it yesterday with the you know recovery day after our trip down to City Field. I felt like it wasn't getting enough play yesterday. Maybe I missed all of it, but I felt like something was missing there. That's something that doesn't happen. That's something that literally four years ago people thought would never happen again. I mean, in 2014, they were questioning whether it was, like, safe and sane to run horses that quickly. And now we've had three of two of them in the last three years. So I think that when we, we look at kind of how the sports landscape is, I mean, that's something that could have filled, filled the gap here. And maybe it was a bad weekend. Maybe it got lost in the clutter of the, the Warriors won the NBA championship. And Alex Ovechkin is going nuts all over Washington, which, by the way, most fun sports thing I've seen in a very long time is how the Capitals are celebrating the Stanley Cup championship. They are just doing a great job. But I feel like Justify winning the the Triple Crown should be something that we're thinking of more, that we're talking about more. Like, it feels weird to me that that just took a backseat. It's literally happened 13 times. 13 times. And think about how many chances there are. The, the Belmont Stakes, it was the 150th running of it. So there can't possibly have been more than 150. I know that, uh, I believe the Preakness is younger than the Belmont Stakes. So you're talking about something that, what, maybe has happened 130 times where you're able to run all three races? And the same horse has only won all three of them 13 times? That seems like a big deal. That seems like something that might have been lost this weekend in the clutter of a not really busy sports world. And I'm not totally sure why. All right, that does it for us today on a show to be named later. We'll be back tomorrow. I think we'll do some Yankee stock. Why don't we do some Yankee stock tomorrow on the podcast? We'll keep this thing rolling throughout the summer and into the fall. And hey, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we'll have a show name uh, by tomorrow. Talk to you then.